0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to Man You Know on Twitter as Jep at DT. Welcome to the show, Jep.
1: Hey, Pete.
0: Targeting high ceiling plays now, if you can afford it, is quite important and can assist through the bye weeks. Your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's been one of my staples this season. Um, tar- always targeting the primos with the high ceiling. Uh it just gains you those that, that leg up, or, and if you nail a captain choice for the week, it, it really propels you up, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, ownership is actually uh, especially uh, condensed in non-midfield roles. Finding players that can hit consistent enough high-scoring games uh, should have you well-placed heading into those bye weeks. Alrighty, Injuries again impacted the game last week. So we have uh, Tristan Cherry, we had Grundy there as well, so they impacted uh, George Hewitt late there as well, so they came out. Uh, Mitch Cleary was able to get that info out for us early enough to sort of so we could have a bit of a think about it. Uh, so bench cover was tested uh, for most of us last week, but a couple of debuts did help in that situation, but that's not always going to be the case, Chip.
1: No, we were lucky. It could have been worse. It was still carnage for, for most and many, and... Um... Yeah, look, it's just a good reminder probably at this time of the year before the buy rounds hit that team depth can't be overlooked and we need to address it.
0: Listen, the other one I'm going to throw in here, um, and you pretty much have to, so those who play NFL fantasy, NBA fantasy, and maybe even APL fantasy um, probably realise this already, is that with COVID, right, there's, there's a chance for second infection. So you know, as much as I said uh, Western Australian players were out for me early well, pretty much for the whole season, I wasn't going to even go there, and which hurts now because Brayshaw, I didn't select Brayshaw. he'd just gone off uh, to start the year, but you know, at some stage throughout the year, the potential for second infection uh, with regards to COVID point of view is really important so um, that brings every other team back into play, sort of so just keep that on the radar for at some stage throughout the season now, hopefully that's not the case, and you know, we can all move on with this, but you know, from a fantasy perspective, just keep that on the radar because for those again who played NBA fantasy, NFL fantasy, you, you they these sort of stories did pop out throughout the years. It was at the second infection, and I seen one someone there the third, or maybe even a fourth infection with regards to NBA as well so uh, yeah just really keep in touch with that but some of the clubs and probably most of all the clubs at the moment are really trying their best to mitigate any COVID situation because you see all of a sudden the team go to a uh, Zoom press conference and then obviously free men are wearing masks at training and separating uh, training groups and you know, training individually and you know having meetings outside so they're trying to do their best as, as well so but yeah just keep an eye on that for pretty much later in the year because so I think most of the guys in Victoria at least on the East Coast. You know, most of them and I would probably put it around about eighty to ninety percent of the players maybe have been in the health and safety protocols over the Christmas, January, February period. So they, they pretty much got out that out the way early in their season. And that was my theory based on you no know, Western Australian players, is that you know that Western Australian players were going to be impacted. And therefore, you know, we did see that with West Coast, but not so much Fremantle, but there's it's starting to creep up with Fremantle at the moment. So Going back to the East Coast, there's a, they've gone through their, say, first course, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, some of those could get impacted later in the year. So team depth is really important, and, and having flex, flexibility, maybe holding your trades. And once we get into the second half of the season and through those bye weeks, it might be a bit of a strategy there to play out. So just your thoughts there, Jeff.
1: Yeah, it's probably uh, another thing is try not to pick too many players for the same team. Um, you know, a lot of Bulldogs are popular at the moment. McRae, Bailey, Smith, Dunkley, Tim English. You know, you, you probably avoid that. Then you've got the Whitfield, Kelly, Pruce and Canelio issue as well. So, yeah, I, I, maybe that's a flag for all of us. And again, a good reminder from yourself, Pete, not to uh, pick too many from the same team.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So it's, I'll just put it out there for knowledge and then just try and pr- provide as much knowledge as possible. Obviously, no medical sort of um, background here. But, you know, just from what I've seen in the NBA fantasy, NFL fantasy over the Christmas, New Year period, is that that was a bit of a problem for, you know, some of my players and, and others who play those games would have realised that as well. Alrighty. Okay, so the next one here is planning out the VC and C options and the captain options uh, can provide... Can provide decent rewards throughout each week, Jep. So really important to really nail down your matchups. Uh, so a couple on the weekend, I you I your Twitter go off a little bit there as well. Is that you know that, that Jaden Short one early in the week was actually a really good matchup, and, and you know he all of a sudden plays into the midfield, which was great, and his scoring rate right through there was unbelievable. But it was a good matchup anyway, and to, to be um, off off half back, but wasn't the case. He was in the midfield, scored well, he's okay. But then I think uh, the best matchup of the week I thought was almost Max Scorn and, and he did get there in the end. So, um, yeah, it's really good to, to sort of identify those matchups. And from, you know, Max Scorn's point of view, you know, the reason why, why he was actually a good matchup is that he was going up against Max Lynch and, you know, it was Max Lynch and Conor Nash. So you've got to imagine there's, you know, you know, let, let's not look at the hindsight of what he did score, is that going into the game, I thought, man, he could be good for 45 to 50 hit outs here. So therefore, his baseline already to kick off before he's even taken a mark or grabbed the handball or whatever, is 50 points. So, you know... When you when you start to factor that in, and if it's a high-scoring game, man, he could get 60, 65 hit out. So, and that's where I sort of kind of think about. It's a great matchup, and if he starts to get involved around the ground, which he pretty much does anyway, you know, you're looking at 140, and I thought it was pretty much could be good for a minimum 130. So, really identifying those matchups is important, Jeff. So thoughts are.
1: Yeah, mate. It, look, I, I really put an emphasis on captain and VC options, the looping. Um, Coinciding with trades, of course, and timing that and leaving that as late as possible. It uh, this week's a bit challenging because I, you know, I've got a we got the double header on Friday night and that, and that doesn't help uh, especially when I've got a lot of Port Adelaide bench players that aren't playing. So um, yeah, some healthy matchups this week I, um, that I do like and and yeah, we can only encourage the listeners to. To plan ahead and, and not be shy. I, I remember again from a few years ago doing this podcast with you. The, the winner wouldn't take more than 100 uh, wouldn't take less sorry than 125. Mm. And um, that's big in big bold letters on my spreadsheet in my fantasy planner, mate. I uh, I try strive for that every time. Sometimes it bites me in the backside. You know I've had a, a, a lucky Neil a couple of times this year already for under sub 100 scores, but you know max Gorn instance it, it sort of balances out and evens out in the end but it puts a smile on your face especially on that uh, on the day he was playing
0: yeah so your injuries and and sort of availability does impact that as well so the thing with my team last week that you know I had um, Jaden Short uh, locked in for a VC on on the Friday night, but when Hewitt was actually uh, ruled out, that actually just blew apart my vice captain options, and I couldn't actually go there because I had to mess around with my team, and I I couldn't actually uh, do the VC with regards to him, so I had to move my stuff around and, and just sort of uh, identify something else, which actually turned out good because um, it was for me it was. Um, I was going into a little bit opposite. I was going into Josh Dunkley no matter what. So he he actually seen less than a on the weekend, and he got there anyway. So with regards to hitting the scoreboard, and he played a little bit on the outside, a little bit forward there as well. So, um, yeah, he got there anyway, but not pretty much the role that I thought he was going to play. But, uh, yeah, uh, he was going to be my option regardless. So I, I'd sort of planned for sure to be, you know, because I really wanted Dunkley's. I was thinking 130. Um, I want a minimum of 130, otherwise, I'm not even taking it. So, uh, interesting yeah. how that all sort of blew up with Hewitt, and I have to go somewhere else. And I chose a, a pretty random vice captain so um, because I was pretty much committed to going to the captain into Dunkley, based on, you know, I didn't have uh, pretty much a loop situation. And my trades were based on. Um, that loop it was really impo- it was really interesting because you know my vice captain option that I did, did choose was actually going to impact my trades for later on and if and the person I had I go they're gonna have to score 150 here for me to even alter my trade so but anyway the way it worked out it was actually pretty good in the end anyway so yeah um, injuries and availability can impact your vice captain and captain situations okay so we are talking AFL fantasy season-long classic mode this discussion is pre round eight Uh, This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, May 3, and of course the news is being crushed out for you on the AFR Ratings Network. The content is free, likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Alrighty, let's get on to some ownership. So, round 7 ownership, top 25, 20% or higher... So um, obviously we had the Grundy news last week and you know, we obviously we had the Cherry news last week. So uh, it was pretty much a simple move. So if you didn't have Gorn, you went to Gorn. If you didn't have Bruce, you went to Bruce. So it was pretty much one way or the other way. Um, so uh, it was pretty much everyone um, getting into the Gorn and Proust situation. So I just want to ask you, what do you think Gorn is owned at in the top 25 and what do you think Proust is owned at in the top 25? So have a guess at both.
1: I reckon they're both 100%. Correct. Yeah. So it was really the only option that presented itself for me. Um, and yeah, any astute coach would have done the same, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So there's no movement there. So regardless of what Prus uh, and Gorn score now, it actually does, for top rank coaches it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so unless there's a, as a zero or a, a really early injury coming, in, and somebody's coming from, you know, a few hundred in rank and, you know, going to jump everyone by 100 points, so that's something that could be unforeseen that could happen. But, you know, um, the scores pretty much don't matter at the moment. Okay, on the defenders, James Sisley 100%. Lockie Whitfield, 100%. Nick Dacos, 100%. Jaden Short, 96%. Nathan O'Driscoll, 96%. Jack Crisp, 88%. Jordan Dawson, 40%. So interesting uh i just call there 96 so you know no hewitt in there as well so you've got to factor in you know where most teams are at with you know covering that hewitt injury for the week so thoughts
1: yeah look a lot of it's pretty cemented in in terms of that back six um no surprises jordan dawson uh the only round 13 by player in that in that mix
0: Okay, onto the mids there, so Lockie Neal 100%, Jack McRae 84%, Greg Clark, who was pretty much traded in by most of the top 25, and he smashed out an a, a huge debut score, so 72%, so that was heavily relied on last week, so Callum Mills uh, increasing percentage up to 68%, Jason Horn francis still people people rocking around with him in their team, so he's probably the trade-out target I would have, I'll assume this week, so he's at 60%. Andrew Brayshaw, so news coming out tonight that he's you know, going to get a strap car for training, but six-day break, um, I would presume that he's going to get up for the week, so yeah, but just monitor that anyway and just make that of your uh, information bill for the week, so he's at 60%, Clayton Oliver, 48%, Jack Steele, Patrick Cripps still low, 32%. But obviously, some of those would have traded out. Cripps after his hamstring there. Matt Crowd still rolling there and there at 28%. Tuke Miller, massive score against Collingwood. Most of his damage was done in the second half of the game when that game sort of opened up and was a little bit softer. 28%. And Josh Kelly in there, uh, pretty decent score against the Crows there. So 20% there. So, thoughts on any one of those, Jeff?
1: Yeah, look, the lower end of it. um, Kelly and took, they, they were great on the weekend, weren't they? And, and those high-ceiling players we talked about earlier, they're a good example of what... And how you can move in rank pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, onto the forwards there. So, Josh Dunkley, 100%. Nick Martin, 100%. And he just is on fire. And looking through in that Bombers team, even though the Bombers are struggling, some of his ball movement and his ability to sort of change direction and t- change decisions as he's got the ball is really actually quite elite. So, uh, great to see him kick off his first season in the AFL at a high rate, high level stuff. So, 100% there for him. Uh, Will Brody, so the scores maybe start to the struggle there as well. So, he's at 96. Six percent. So, is it time for him to go? But the matchup against the Kangaroos this week is actually should be pretty good. Um, Jed Anderson could be coming back in the team, so it should be a little bit more contested than what you know we probably think. You know, this time last week against Fremantle and uh, North Melbourne, and, and, and the Kangaroos are desperate for wins, so they're, they're going to throw everything at this game, even though their performances aren't quite there yet. But I've got to imagine if Anderson does come back into their teams a little bit more contested, which is actually probably Will Brody does need for his tackles and, you know, getting there striking the ball. Because if that's a loose open game and not much happening, you know, Brody could actually struggle to score this week uh, if it's not much going on. Um, so then, Canelo there at 92%, Zach Butters there at 92%. So that game with uh, Zach Butters on the weekend, that was like they were playing with a cake of soap up in uh, Cairns. So it was just like a, it was like a monsoon, uh, pretty much for a couple of days there it rained, except for when the game actually played on. So um, during the game, so it was just really slippery conditions, couldn't get a hold of it. Uh, Butters I think was at about 50 points at halftime, but you know just uh, 24 points or there or thereabouts in the second half. But the best thing was is that the, the week before he was ill, he actually looked fine last week. So uh, he's at 92%. So he's highly owned there. Isaac Henney there at 40%. And Connor Rosie, it's a little bit of ownership there. And that midfield uh, role there is pretty much, I would say, pretty much solid from this point onwards. Uh, but just a matter of, you know, it was the same situation with um, him and Butters, that, you know, he did score well in the first half and did drop off, uh, but that was a really low-scoring game, and when you, when you consider, you know, Butters scored whatever, 40 points or whatever, that means less center bounces, so when, if they're going into the middle and if there's less center bounces, that means there were less opportunities, to, you know, to get that clearance and get that tackle, and that, so therefore, you know, if there's scores for Butters and Rose, were a little bit down, uh, basically because less center bounces, less scoring opportunities, so really got to factor into that, so again, 28%, so he he did see a little bit of a spike in ownership, but I think that midfield role is actually pretty solid. So thoughts on any one of those, Jip?
1: Yeah, the Rosie one's interesting. Um, I went there. Yeah, I didn't. I think because of the round 12 in the end, I'm really struggling to balance those buy rounds for, for round 12 especially. So yeah, good pick. He'll be great this week. You know, he'll be up 90s plus or more. So owners shouldn't worry. And it's interesting how... Like that has been pretty solid, the, those top ownership in the forward line for most of the season. So I think we're going to see movement now, um, and it's going to be the Brave that pick the outliers. Yeah, and, and and one player's
0: not in there is Luke Parker, so you've got to imagine there's going to be some type of ownership spike there for him this week. So um, just a little bit on Parker there as well. So you just got to you just got to monitor his centre bounces. Um, you know, against quality opposition, they've actually been pretty strong. And against the Hawks, even though the Hawks are giving up plenty, is that um, uh, the Swans did have to chase that game. So you've got to imagine that they're um, putting Parker in a situation where they really need him in there to be that you know strong clearance, strong uh type body in there, but don't forget the Swans are rotating a stack of players through that centre bounces, you know, Robottom didn't see many last week, so, you know, against a lot of opposition, do you see Parker slide forward and, and be that one that, you know, scores you know 60 or 70, spending most of the time forward, especially when the Swans have got a game in control, you know, you don't have to put Parker in that situation, you know, to beat him up for the rest of the year because for the Sydney it's actually, it's about finals, you know, because they're, they're going to be in contention towards the back end of the year, so, you know, I've spoken about this a lot, is that, you know, it's not about yeah, it is, it is about winning each week, absolutely. But you're going to win, some, win and lose some games throughout the year. So it's just about getting your team into a position where they can challenge for a premiership. And at the back end of the year, you want your team fresh. So I just to, you know, with the heavy rotation and a lot of players running through that centre bounce at Sydney, is, you know, it's Parker, you know, last two weeks have been really solid, but there's a drop-off uh, throughout some games throughout the main of the year. I... I I'm, I'm leaning on the fence to say yes, it might. So you just got to put that in information build. But he can score at an elite rate. So, you know, he's going to hit his points, but, you know, it just might get the odd week or two that might be a little bit bumpy. So that's just one thing that from what I can see, and it's a bit of a much of a feel situation that what I can see with regards to watching the games, uh, listening to Longmire in and out every week, every presser, you know, uh, absorbing all the content and looking at the data and what the data tells me. So I've just formed that opinion based on Parker. So just keep that part of the information built. I don't mind the pick, but it's just you know put that information build. You know he might see some lights and bounces throughout the rest of the season. It's not. I don't think it's going to be really heavy. So thoughts on that,
1: Jip? Yeah, look, he's on. You know, pushing thirty years old. It's the long term view. I totally understand that now's from from Sydney. Um, and it's a long season, isn't it? But as we get into more wet weather footy, especially at the SCG. Those harder bodies of process around the ball, and mm. I think he'll be okay. Um, there would definitely be moments where, you know, he'll be protected as such. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting thought, but the top six forwards, top eight forwards, real struggle at the minute. I can't pinpoint it at all. Yeah, so, so if Parker's
0: relatively okay price, so I think he can hit that salary, so, but then you've got Rosie in there as well, which I think is going to be quality centre bounces, like I think it's going to be, you know, 60-70%, and I think that's going to be quite consistent up against Pargo, I think it actually could be less, and I think Rosie can junk it up here so, you know, kind of what I'm thinking with Rosie, you know, if Port Adelaide do actually get back into the hunt for the rest of the season, you know, winning a lot of games. You've got to imagine if Rosie's in that midfield, he's going to just, he's going to rack up those points. So I'm more bullish on Rosie than what, what I'm at Parker, but, Rosie's a really, really cheaper salary compared to him. But then you throw Darcy Cameron into the mix as well. So the number one ruck for Collingwood now, and that's going to be solid for, you know, 10 to 12 weeks before Grunny comes back. So that's pretty much the majority of the, the remainder of the season. So, you know, we've seen him score on the weekend. So he was playing opposed to wits in that in that game as well. Is it You know, playing kick to kick at some stages. So I think, you know, if that's that role going to be, you know, Darcy Cameron sitting back helping defence and, and Collingwood have actually conceded some points this year they've been a little bit weak in defence but they're trying to be attacking at the same time so they're not just playing a solid defensive game and let's lock it up let's not, not allow teams to score it was last year with Nathan Buckley but under Craig McRae they're willing to concede goals McRae's actually said it we're going to make mistakes and concede some points but we want to attack so, you know, part of that defensive structure, if that's Darcy Cameron sitting behind the ball, I gotta imagine, you know, if that's his role based on even though Big played in that team is a dual Ruck setup, which, you know, the data looks, you know, probably not so good from Cameron's point of view, and he did hit the scoreboard early in that game as well, and I thought he was great actually. But if he's going to play that sit behind, you know, Sit behind the ball in an instant. Mark, we see it with Max Gorn I think the scores could actually be there. I think he could be good for 90, 95 average, which based on his salary is actually a bit of bit of almost a smash plate. So there are three players there: as Parker, and I'll ask you the question here, Parker. You got Rosie and you got Cameron. Which one do you like more, Jet? Or for rank, me, it, actually, rank them, rank them pretty
1: well. Much. Look, I'm always been direct with my trade, so I'll put Parker at one because he's the bonafide primo um, and he's got the round 13 by I put, actually put Darcy Cameron at two because what he can provide during the buy rounds, which are around the corner, is invaluable. We know he's going to be the number one ruck and he's got the round 14 buy. Mm. So come round 14, he probably maxes out by then and he gets tr- traded um, to, to whoever. So during that, this round 12, round 13, when we've got to cover for Bruce, we've got to cover for Sam Hayes, um, he's going to have ruck status before the buyers, also. You know, that's invaluable. He goes to two for me. And Rosie, it's purely because of his buy round. If he had a different buy round, he'd be probably number two. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the Rosie pick. I think it's fantastic. I, just the way my team's set up, I, I can't do it.
0: Yeah, look, I'll talk from a football point of view because it's interesting you come at stuff from a, a different angle completely to what I do. And that's pretty much most weeks. Listeners will already know that. Because I'll talk more about the footy and, you know, their role and listening to content and watching the games and, you know, more of that football sort of uh, research and looking at it from that point of view. So I'll just do it from a base, based on a role point of view. So, you know, obviously Cameron's a rock and Rosie is now in the midfield and Park is in that midfield there as well. So, you know. I kind of like a ruck first because of the, the proximity to the ball is actually quite high. But, you know, Rosie, I think his centre bounces could be that 70%, pretty much minimum 75% centre bounces. Um, so based on that, I kind of like Rosie higher than Cameron just a bit uh, because we know he's got a monster ceiling, Rosie. Um, so And we've seen that previous to, the, to this year with Rosie. Once he gets in there and gets going with, and ball in hand, which you know, they'll want, um, I think he can hit those ceiling games, so I'll have him at number one. I'm going to put Cameron at number two based on proximity to the ball. And as of what I said previously on Parkers, if those centre bounces are going to adjust, and then lighter games against Swan matchup, uh, Swan's matchups, you know, if you're spending a little bit of time on that forward line, those, those centre bounce uh, tendencies can be a little bit bumpy for the remainder of the year. Maybe three or four or five games where they just manage him a little bit. Um, So therefore, I'm going to put Parker at three there. So interesting the way you look at it, you know, based on fantasy perspective and, you know, your buy structure, but I'm just looking at it from a pure role and, you know, opportunity. So it's all about opportunity for me. So I think Rosie gets the most opportunity and based on his salary, I think he's still a good buy right now. Um, Cameron, I think, is a special buy still. And that's why I was saying sort of last week. It's a pity he wasn't a ruck because he would have been almost an alternative there in that situation with regards to, you know, who you're targeting instead of, you know, for those who didn't want to spin up or couldn't spin up to Gorn, is that you could have brought Cameron in there as well. But it was a soft matchup against Gold Coast and, you know, Cameron did what they did. But, you yeah, sitting behind that ball, I think it's a great opportunity for Cameron. Yeah, but McRae is also, Craig McRae has also said they want to change up things. So hopefully he holds... Um, Darcy Cameron in that role sitting behind the ball because I think his scores could be there but yeah Parker for number three for me alrighty let's get on to the next one Jeff so who are your top three targets for round eight assuming you don't own any
1: Uh, for me it's Greg Clark I think he's got to be if you don't own him already it's a non-negotiable cash generation and good scoring output absolutely number one trade target Uh, number two is Callum Mills I just feel like he's just hitting every stat line, doing his thing. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it's really a pleasure to watch as a f- fantasy fan and then as a football fan as well. Um, Rolls fide, everything looks solid there. Um, and the last one's Took Miller, um, high ceiling player, round 13 by, top eight mid, ticks all the boxes. He should be your target as Also,
0: like him. Okay, my three are Darcy Cameron. Uh, just mentioned there as well. Um, the one player that you know, like I like the, I like the miller pick, But you know, I've spoken a lot about Gold Coast the last few weeks. You know. Um, with regards to their, their change in style. So I wonder if that does hurt the ceiling gains. You know, because he had a stack of ceiling gains last year. It was just unbelievable. So I just wonder if they're not as much this year. And that's so far this year, that's shown to be the case. But if he's going to, you know, pump in those you know, 120s quite easily for the moment of the year, obviously he's a monster target. Um, but yeah, just... Game style for Gold Coast. I was, I'm still on that. So the second one for me there is uh, Ollie Warren. So he's pretty much got no ownership. So if you look for those who have the spreadsheets and those who have the points per, per points per minute up or game time percentage up, you look at Ollie Warrens and it is monster. Like, it's really, it's popping, I'm scrolling through my spreadsheets and, you know, filtering in, and he's just popping up everywhere. So, you know, obviously you have that a heart issue if you want to take that into consideration, but he's all, all been clear and he's all been in there and he's, you know, he's going to be pretty solid through the center bounces. So if you want to pair him like with a Rosie in there as well, and, you know, if you think Port Adelaide can make a push for finals and get in there. You've got to imagine that Wines' midfield numbers are going to be comparable to last year when he won a Brownlow, And we did see that. You know, ownership was light last year, and I still think ownership will be light for the remainder of this year because people are still not sure. But, you know, he's going to be in that midfield. He's got, he's got a, His points are a, a staggering at the moment. So it's really up there. So there's one there that you know not going to be highly owned there as well. Um, and Josh Cully as well there. So, you know, his role is okay, I think, at this stage. So, um, and, you know, interesting with Leon Cameron there in the weekend. I said last week on this podcast that Whitfield was spending a little bit more time forward and facing the ball. And guess where he spends, you know, a stack of his time on the weekend. He hits the scoreboard as well. So he spends time forward. So, you know, Cameron has made a little bit of a move. He settled the team down a little bit. You know, players coming in out of that team sort of help uh, settle things down a little bit. So, you know, he's going with Bruce and, and, and Flynn. I think that's pretty solid now. I think that's a dual rock setup. They, uh, the, words, yeah. the words coming out of GWS that they, you know, that, that, that they like it. They're contested marks. So they're actually combining together. I think I put an article up on A5 ratings last week to suggest all that. So I think, you know, obviously, Bruce can score there as well. But back onto Kelly. I think, you know, if it tends to settle down a little bit, and I think that's what Leon Cameron has to do, and I think that's actually a pretty good thing for Josh Kelly, so uh, that's my number three there. Already, notable low-break Evans-Jep, so let's get into it. So Greg Clark, obviously, you mentioned him there, minus 31, he's going to make a stack of cash. Robbie McComb, so uh, he was actually really good last week, but again, soft match up against the Bombers, so minus 18, he's going to make a stack of cash. Jack Carroll, he, he blew away all my expectations, what he could do. I thought he was a pretty much a pretty decent talent, but, you know, he was outstanding there last week, so he's going to make a stack of cash there as well, minus 18. Uh, Morris Rioli, so minus 10, so he's going to make some money here, but, you, you know, small forward role. Um, Collingwood are actually giving up points, so he might be able to hit the scoreboard there again, but, you know, small forward role, their scores can be volatile, so I always kept that in mind. Cooper Hamilton, his debut was actually quite good, uh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, his role might be a little bit um, provide... Uh, inconsistent scoring, but I thought he was actually really good on debut. So there's a bit of a future talent there for GWS. Aiden B, there's another one who's actually really good on debut for Collingwood last week. You know, if McRae's going to hold that into uh, Durek's setup, I think uh, big scores can actually be there. Uh, but he didn't really commit in his post-game press conference to say that that's what they're going to go with. And I'll just reiterate, Craig McRae has said they're going to try things. So, you know, who who knows where that's going to be. P- put that in your information, Bill. But I think it's a positive for Beck. I actually don't mind the peak minus two. But, you know, for, for Clark, McComb, Carroll, I think they're three top targets right there. And I think, you know... Um, if you have them all right now, that's that's fantastic. But uh, our Big Moppy your next one to get into there. Stranatica was actually okay on the weekend. His scores can be volatile, you know. And and the the, big, the biggest thing I got out of West Coast game besides uh, getting smashed by 15 goals, which was sorry, Jip, which was <laughs> great. To see.
1: Oh look, mate, it With, was horrendous, wasn't it?
0: Uh, which was great to see. But you know, the West Coast, the, the season's over, so it's all about development. So it's the first time I really heard Adam since. Adam Simpson in his post game press, and you know, Ryan Daniels sort of hit off that press conference really good. Is it, you know, to set the scene, is it, you know, and without Simpson saying rebuild or whatever, he's he pretty much said it's opportunities now, it's opportunities. So, you know, whether that's Trinatica being a team, being a ruck and sort of developing, giving game time that who knows where that lies, but from West Coast situation, you've got to imagine there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Uh, in that team for, for, for players to come in there. And once the team settles down with regards to fitness and that. So, you know, back into the season, uh, everything is open, everything's on the table for West Coast. So put that back into Red Clark, they might just play him in there for the rest of the season. So I think it's actually a positive for Red Clark that Simpson comes out and says opportunities are available now. So, which is great from our point of view because we have sort of some certainty is it, you know, you know they pulled the pin on the season, which is okay, you can do that. You don't have to win the premiership every year. So, you know, it's all about development and building that list up for the, for the next premiership assault, so therefore Greg Clark does it get his opportunities I would think. Stronautica could be part of that there as well. And the last one to finish off there is Sam Hayes, so he's at three. Um, I think if you still uh, don't have him in the team, he's still not bad, but you know, because that, that ruck situation is locked in for quite a few weeks. So, thoughts on any one of those, Jet?
1: I like Clark and Macomb. Um I, felt, I feel like they're the two of the best performers on, on field at the moment. Jack Carroll, par-forward role, it was a really good first three quarters. Um, and who knows? Like, he, he's one I'd probably wait another week on. We just don't know how he's going to fit in that best 22. Mm. But at least he's thereabouts, isn't he? So they're, they're the top three targets. Um, Clark and McComb had the round 13. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Okay, onto notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a break-even of 130-plus. So let's get into it, Jep. So Andrew Brayshaw, 146, all of a sudden. Tim Taranto, 142. Ben Keys 137. Travis Boak, 137. Seeing a reduction in center bounces there with Rosie going there. Zach Merritt at 132. And Ollie Wines at 130. Thoughts on any one of those, Jep?
1: Yeah, look, they're all going to be good targets. Um, all great players. Zach Merritt dropped off after a pretty decent first half, and he sort of had my attention. Ollie Wines, unfortunately, for me personally, won't be till post-buys, um, and hopefully he keeps up his good form. But, um, yeah, Tim Taranto's the other one we're all going to jump on, I think, eventually, too. So. Yeah, the interesting one about
0: Merit, and we'll put... Pop- Parish in this conversation there as well is the narrative coming out outside of the club? Is it you know how many junk positions does Parish get? How many junk positions does Merritt get? Like from our point of view, it's great. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that conversation. I laugh. I go, well, that's actually what I want. You know, that's why, <laughs> yeah, that's why we're targeting him because we want the junk. You know, you know, you ham, Merritt handballs one meter away, so he gets it back straight away. So, but you know, is that Ben Ratten sort of almost half agreeing with that? Is that don't don't want to play that way. So. Yeah, something to put in the information build with regards to Merritt, and you know the, the bomber season is pretty much over there, so it's just got to wonder if that's going to impact the way Essendon play through the midfield for the remainder of the year. But Merritt does have a good ceiling, same as Darcy Parrish there as well. But you know, if if the narrative is and they're buying into it, is it they you know they they don't want those drunk positions. I mean, they that, that could mean that bit of a change a little bit of a change in the role for merit and parish so just gotta wait and see how that plays out there so uh, but otherwise you know it's quite disappointing to hear from a fantasy perspective that you know people criticizing racking up disposal because from that point of view it's actually a great thing for us all right let's get on to the next one here so notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average the last three rounds so let's get into it. Max Gawn has been outstanding, 133 points. Callum Mills, obviously, there, 133 points there as well. Josh Dunkley seeing a reduction in centre bounces the last couple of weeks. He's at 125 points. Clayton Oliver, 122 points. Interesting to see what, you know, Sam Mitchell did last week with regards to Hawthorne. It was, you know, they take landing on the outside. They stuck, a defense, they stuck a key forward behind Stephen May. So Stephen May had to sort of almost become accountable. So there's one... Position there as well, and the one thing I did notice there as well in that game is that you know Mitchell targeted Oliver one quarter and Petrarca one quarter, then flipped it. So it's really interesting, yeah. you know, if if teams sort of have a really bit of a look, deep dive look at that game, is that they sort of oh, could know, we actually double-tag them as in alternate quarters? So, you know, you put them off one quarter, they're not really good for the rest of the game, and then you come back into them in the third quarter. But Sam Mitchell is trying everything. It's actually great to see. And he's doing a couple of uh, things that really aren't really standard with regards to AFL coaching. So just got to be careful on that. You know, but You know, do teams start to try that method of tagging? So interesting there with Melbourne anyway, with Petrarca and Oliver, do their scores fluctuate? But uh, both were actually good on the weekend, but not across the whole four quarters. I thought across the game, they're actually pretty good. So just something interesting there. So thoughts? oh, let me just finish off there. So then we go to uh, Lockie Neal, 119 points. Took Miller, at 117 points. So obviously a big weekend the last weekend. And Tom Stewart popping in there now at 116 points. So obviously a monster game for him. So he just is, uh, um, accumulated heaps there and defence for uh, Geelong, which was great to see. Finally a really big ceiling game for Tom Stewart, 157 points. I think that there was... They're about to 116 points the last three three weeks, Jep. So thoughts on any one of those?
1: Um oh, look they're all bona fide stars in their in their lines and positions for us. Um, I think you can't go wrong picking any one of those plays you mentioned. Already. Okay, on to a
0: few listener requests. So there's thirty-two of them, so time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast. So again, we're going to do a thirty-two pack to finish off the season. We'll stop on a couple of here, but we're pretty much uh, some of them will be uh, like or dislike. So Darcy Cameron for me, I'm a like.
1: Yeah, I like. We we delved into it before, and he, yeah, he's a big target. Jaden
0: Short, big like here, and the interesting thing is that um, you know with with regards to his role, his midfield role, Cochrane was out of the team. Obviously, Martin's coming out of that team, and they're coming back in there this week. So. You know, Hardwick sort of really loved it. He got presented the uh, idea last week. Uh, I forget who the assistant coach was. That he said, you know, oh, why don't we just throw Jaden Short into the midfield, which is what they did, and he looked fantastic. And you know, the life beyond Trent Cochran has got to be Jaden Short in that midfield. So that's one thing to put on your radar potentially next year. Is that if Cotchin uh, does finish up at the end of this year or has a reduced role next year, you have got to imagine that you know they might be looking at Jaden Short for a pure midfield role. Uh, which could be good. So keep that well and truly on your radar. So um, either role, inside midfielder, uh, and they might try it through the, uh, the remainder of the year, you know, once they rest Cotchen. And you've got to imagine if they rest Cotchen, right, if they give him a week off, you've got to imagine that Jaden Short has got to be that prime target to go into midfield, therefore might be, become a vice-captain option. So keep that in mind. Um, so big like here for me for Jaden Short,
1: yeah. Yeah, he's... A- Top six defender guaranteed, so big like.
0: Uh, Connor Rosie. obviously big like for me.
1: Yeah, big like for me too, except the buy round.
0: Uh, Luke Parker, I'm actually going to say like here, but, you know, bumpy center bounces, so just keep that in mind. So I'll, I'll sit on just on the side of the fence of saying a bit of a like here. Yeah, like for me as well. Cooper Hamilton, so I think he's at one of those targets, so I'll take like here.
1: I like him, again, except the buy round. So just keep in mind, and I've got a lot of round 12 forwards, um, he's got the round 12 buy.
0: Mm. Yeah, so that's the common theme that I'm getting for you for this podcast is that you know, you're monitoring you know, who you're bringing in and what buy week they're bringing in. Hey, Chip?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's really at the, like the forefront of my head. And, um, you know, opportunities like Cooper Hamilton to have that fat and rookie, although he's got DPP status, even my midfield, I want to be balanced. So, yeah, he's just not an option at the moment. It's unfortunate he... Didn't come into the team later on, but he looked great. He really looked good.
0: Okay, Sean Darcy. So, uh, Docker's got some COVID issues there as well, availability and injury issues. Tabernas is out now for a couple of extra weeks there, uh, so you've got to imagine you know Meek potentially coming in that team with Darcy. So I don't think Darcy's a straight off the bat trade in scenario, and he's been injury prone uh, throughout most of his career. We did most of us who had Darcy last year had to deal with you know every, each week was a new scenario for him. So if you want to go there, uh, be warned. So, but for me, I'm like I like his. He can score heaps, so from, from his scoring point of view, I really like, but you know, I just think it might be a bit of an avoid heap. you might run into some sort of trouble, so I'm going to say dislike in the end.
1: Dislike from me as well. I uh, would look at him again, though, post-buy.
0: Okay, Taylor Adams, uh, calling a new game plan, not hanging on to the ball. Um, so for me, I think the scores can be there, but I don't think he's that premium mid that we had previously. He's playing a few different roles within that midfield there as well. So he got a little bit of loose ball there on the weekend, which was great. But I'm going to still say dislike here.
1: Yeah, strong dislike from me, mate.
0: Uh, Dylan Moore, So uh, Sam Mitchell and his post-game presser was saying, you know, they had wanted to change up a few things against Melbourne, is what I said in the podcast previously. As a, one of those things that they changed up at um, halftime was Dylan Moore they moved him further up the ground and he just racked up disposals like there was no tomorrow I think he had something like uh, 25 disposals after halftime so you, you know, 25 and, and a half is a monster so that obviously gets a lot of um, listeners' attention and, and got some requests for more to speak about him um, but Sam Mitchell didn't commit to that role beyond uh, what he just seen on the weekend, so that might have been just a one game specific, or might be a short term specific, and he did reference his role with regards to more with regards to uh, change. Cook GF being out of the team and what they need to do and drive some, get some run and run and carry. So, you know, Jeff sort of does that sort of role is to take an intercept mark and just take off and just break lines. So, Moore provided that for the Hawks on the weekend. So, if that's the situation with regards to Moore doing that sort of role for Sam Mitchell, you've got to imagine when Jeff comes back in in a couple of weeks or whatever he's coming, going to come back in, that Moore uh, does stick forward. But he can hit the scoreboard as well. So, his scoring rate won't be that bad, but I don't think they'll long-term situation where Moore's going to be in that situation, making up disposals week in, week out. I wish it was the case. I wish I would come onto this podcast and say it was the case, but I don't see that being the case right now. So from that point of view, look, he still can score. Um, I'm just going to sit on the side of the fence of saying dislike you.
1: I actually really like it. Um, I think he's a move that can propel you up the ranks. He's a move that can define your season. Um There's no guarantee that when Giacke does come back in that he actually impacts what Dillamore does. Um, I think you've got to look at it in unison with Bramble. You've got to look at it with Will Day and how they play. I feel like Dillamore is this tough, real gut runner that gives his all every time he's out there. And um, I'm highly, highly considering Dillamore this week. Yeah, the role's is just not there long-term,
0: so uh, that's why I'm saying like, but you're saying you do like, so interesting to see how that plays out. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. Okay, all right, on to Chad Warner. So, again, heaps of swans for this midfield. Do you really want to go there? And he doesn't really have that high ceiling at this stage. I'm going to say dislike
1: here. Yeah, dislike for me as well, pretty clear-cut. Uh, Kitty
0: Coleman, so uh, high score then low score, so you're going to sort of get that with Coleman and the the, the Lions sort of mess around with their team on the weekend you know, Answorth went back Zorko went into the middle, so if, you know, if Coleman sort of, you know, doesn't hit that scores, it could be a low score and that's what we did see last week, so if you really need to go somewhere, maybe but uh, for me to dislike you
1: yeah, look, I know he's low 400s in terms of price. It's just a dislike. I I feel like it's a two-step process getting trading in Coleman. Let's be more direct with the downgrade and upgrade. Yep,
0: okay. Noah Anderson, um, locking it more each week because he's he's the loose one. So we've spoken about it previously, and, and again, that was a soft matchup against Collinger, but he's been doing it sort of most of the year, I would presume, uh, I, I would say, but so... Um, I'm kind of really liking this. You know, the Real hasn't turned into a high scoring top player based on his role and then Miller can be in there as well. But you know, is Anderson gonna be targeted for a tag? I would assume not. So he might be the one. So I actually like this picture.
1: Yeah, we always say those midfielders that avoid the tag and like Jack McCrae playing against Bont and or with Bont, sorry, and and yeah, Anderson and Miller. Miller's gonna be the target, not Anderson. So Oh, it's tempting, he ticks all the boxes and um, I think he's at that age bracket now where boy, watching on view is starting to really mature um, and he, he's highly competitive as, as most footballers are but you can see he wants to do his absolute best so I, I really like the pick, I'm going to say a strong like. Yeah, Josh Kelly, like it for me. Yeah, um, really like Kelly too, big big like.
0: Okay, Will Brody. so the question here is uh, is it time to go? So for me, I would be getting in a situation where, yeah, it's close for me. It's close to a trade out now.
1: Yeah, it is for me too. Not this week, but um, yeah, it's a consideration. Again, look, I wouldn't be surprised if I hold on to him till round 14 because he's got that round 14 buy. Mm-hmm. If you do trade him, who you trade trading him to um, is, is the real question. And he has shown us a plus 100 score um, in the year. That was pretty handy.
0: Okay, Dane Zorko So said last week on the podcast that that role is not really locked in, and I've said that for most of the year. So early season, uh, trying to get some fitness across half back, Kiddy Coleman back back into that team, and the back to defence last week. You know, Zorko pushed into that midfield, so which is great. But you know, Chris Fagan has come out and said previously, you know, it's half back, it's midfield, and it's forward. So if he's going to play that forward role, you know, the scores could be a little bit light here on some weeks, but we know he has a monster ceiling, so it could be a bumpy ride. He might get there with regards to average over the remainder of the season, but you might be talking, you know, one thirty, then a seventy and stuff like that. So it's a bumpy ride. Um but you know I don't know. Just just on the side of the fence of dislike here this one.
1: No, I dislike too many uh role changes and Mr Fixit sort of attitude with Zorko, so nothing's guaranteed. Dislike.
0: Okay, Jordan Dawson, big like here for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, for me too, like.
0: Uh, Tom DeConning, so for me, uh, based on, you know, he's going to be number one ruck, I still like the pick.
1: No, I'm a dislike, I still feel like he's a couple of years off it, in terms of fantasy selection. uh, We've got to be more direct with our picks in fantasy, and he's not going to be anywhere near a top two ruckman or a top five ruckman. In fantasy. And
0: most people have got the Proust and also um, Gorn set up, so yeah, yeah, you'd have to be sort of on some sort of different, uh, let's build it as we speak if you are interested in the conning, so uh, then we get on to the next one, so it's Rory Lead, so low ownership here, uh, big ceiling uh, for me to like.
1: Yeah, like as well, love the high ceiling from lead.
0: So Tim English, so Steph Martin in that team and English is due back. He's a test for this week as well. So if he comes back in without Steph Martin, I like it. But if he comes back in with Steph Martin, I'm kind of not really liking it that much. Um, But if Steph Martin goes out of the team and Martin comes in and and the next week uh, Bevo brings Steph Martin back in, you're sort of stuck. So... Interesting. Like a, uh, I really liked it early with no Steph Martin. So if I could guarantee that was the case, I would really love this peak. But you know, it's just got to be put that in your information build. You know, you just got to factor that in. You know, as part of risk that you know it could be a dual ruck setup and and you know, the scores for English won't be there. But you know, he hasn't signed that contract yet, and if they want to play uh, and keep English in that number one ruck, which Bevo has pretty much been consistent with all year. You've got to imagine it's English, and you know, hopefully it's English only. But So if that's the case, I do like it. But yeah, just keep in mind here. So I'm going to sit on the side of the fence and say like, but plenty of information to take in, Jep.
1: I want to say like. I feel like Bevo, the way they were playing with Tim English behind the ball and the extra runner instead of the second ruck really suited their style of play. So I don't think... Um, we may see a couple of games with Steph and English together, but for the majority, uh, I think English is going to be on a on a good roll and it's a big like as a result.
0: Aiden Begg, so obviously uh, it's quite solid on debut last week for Collingwood. So if you already own Carroll or Clark or and you need to go to somewhere else, so I think it's okay. McCray um, didn't commit to the Duroc setup for the short to medium term or even long term, so factored that in there as well, but I'm going to sit on the side of the fence and say like
1: you' gonna say like as well he only had two hit outs um, obviously against wits it's hard to win a hit out but um, and scored 64 with two hit outs so expect that 64 to be you know near the bottom of, of what he can achieve uh, he might pump out a 70 plus this week as a result
0: okay Seb Ross so he's been in the Saints midfield he's actually been doing okay but we're talking about Zach Jones coming back in that team as well Hunter Clark's there thereabouts as well so uh, that could disrupt the situation for uh, Seb Ross and and don't forget Gresham's in that situation there as well so if once those players do come back into that team does that push him forward so for Seb Ross I'm going to say based on players coming back into that team I'm going to say dislike
1: yeah dislike for me as well mate
0: uh, Tim Kelly, so um, the scores can be there, but I just, I'm just i not convinced with regards to uh, holding Kelly for a long time in your fantasy team relying on on him week in, week out so from that point of view, dislike for me
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, I dislike. Shy
0: Bolton, so obviously a big score last week, but it was a really soft matchup, sorry Chip so, um, so what happens there is, you know, Collingwood might be uh, an okay matchup for him but you know if he's playing a, a lot through the midfield last week with regards to no Justin Martin and no Trent Cotchen you know they're coming back to enter the team so what does that do to Shy Bolton does he sit more forward so therefore the score is going to be a little bit volatile there and not really high skilling games as what we did see last week so for me a big dislike here
1: get yeah, a dislike from me as well, buddy.
0: Uh, Sam Hayes. So if you don't own him, I think, you know, his rolls in there, number one ruck. Uh, won't play huge minutes, but I think he will take those scores long be a pretty decent backup. So it's still a like here for me.
1: Yeah, it's a like, but I think if you don't own him, you'd miss the boat. So I wouldn't be trading him in, especially with Begg there and um, a lot cheaper. Yeah, I'd be
0: still paying out for Hayes in that situation because I'm not too sure where Begg sits, uh, short to medium term, whether he stays in there. Oh, hopefully he does, but, you know, uh, if it's one or the other. But, but you know, it could be price depending on what you can afford there as well. Alrighty, next one there, Greg Clark, big like. Yeah, massive like. Ollie Wines, big like for me, no ownership, uh, high-ranked teams.
1: Yeah, I'm going to really target him during after his buy round in round 12.
0: Christian Petrarca, so a little bit of niggle here, there. You know, tagged here and there. Uh, scores have been volatile here and there. So for me, based on his price, I'd, I'd probably take him at a lower price. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually sort of not really liking him at this stage right now. So I'm going to say dislike on this one, just at this point in the season,
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's a dislike for now. We reassess when he, when he gets a bit of a run on.
0: Patrick Cripps, love it. And no one's stopping yeah. him. No, nothing's oh, stopping him.
1: I, I met him last year at the grand final here in Perth. He is huge. He is a massive man, and a massive man that's fit and can run all day. So, yeah, massive like.
0: Uh, Zach is still like for me. A uh, role still there.
1: Yeah, I agree. His CBAs are up against the Saints, so it's a like. Uh,
0: Mitch Duncan, so I've said previously on the podcast that, you know, the Cats have said they've been really open with this. They're going to manage plays uh, throughout the year. So they haven't been shy saying it. and They have actually been doing it. And even they held Patrick Dangerfield back to, to increase his training load. So, You know they they haven't been frightened here whatsoever to manage players. I think Duncan is in that zone there as well, and don't forget he had a pretty big interrupter pre-season, so I think he's going to be in that zone of being one of those players that's going to be managed. But Geelong do play uh, a lot of games to finish the season at HPA Stadium, but they've changed their game plan, so um, but, you know, they, they play West Coast, I think, two more games for the, the remainder of the season. Still to play him yet, I think. And I think it in North Melbourne, they've got there as well. So you've got to think there's going to be opportunities there. But for me, based on it, he could be one of those players managed. And when you need him, you can imagine over the bye period when you need a play like that, that he all of a sudden he's managed. You know, you might get the, bye, the, the game before the bye and then all of a sudden the bye period to give him a two-week rest. So... You know, from that point of view, just a big dislike here for Duncan. But I, I, like, for those who want to go there, great. I think he can score, catch a change the game plan, but I think there's a little bit too much risk here there for me.
1: He's tempting with his price, though, isn't he? So, yeah, I can't do it. It's it's too risky. My bench isn't strong enough to cover. Uh, maybe those coaches out there with a the strong bench could consider a value pick like Duncan. I, I feel like his value, sure, he scores and been there but yeah maybe that 120 is just around the
0: corner there is value but yeah there's a lot of risk there as well so he, he actually might work out but there's a there's a way too many sort of red red indicators there to say that that could be an issue down the track there at some stage um and the last one here we've got here Jeff, so nick lost and score's still there so uh, uh, yeah if you want to go there it's great but uh yeah, yeah i just wonder if that, that's going to empty at some stage but um uh, for me score's been there it's great so Oh, i actually just going kind to of sit on the fence with this one to finish off.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say dislike. I don't feel like he's a top eight defender, although he's scoring like a top eight defender right now. I don't think it's going to last, personally. I feel like there'll be times where he locks down and and things get a bit more creative and hectic um, back in the back line and obviously short's the main quarterback too. So as good as an interceptor lost in the is, there'll be games where he sort of... Semi gets tagged, you know, like um, they put that sacrificial forward mm. to, to bring the ball to the ground. Um, you know, put the pressure on Vloss and Dot to get those intercepts, like they do with Lever um, at Melbourne and the Governor West Coast, just so the ball gets to ground. So I feel like he might be a bit of a target, and um, yeah, it's a dislike for now.
0: Okay, final thoughts ahead of round eight.
1: Jim. Get those captain picks sorted. Get those uh, trade. Plans happening. Try try to save. Uh, try and uh, save a trade for as late as possible. And yeah, good luck for round eight.
0: Yeah, definitely monitor news out there um, and planning trades ahead. Obviously, and have a few scenarios because you never know what might pop up late that might impact your sure. trades. I had that situation last week, but I had, you know, 24 hours to think about it, how to plan that out. So, yeah, definitely you have a couple of scenarios up your sleeve and, and even go into some wild scenarios if you, you know, if you get some late-breaking news, you know, if, if Hewitt's all, all of a sudden game-time decision, how does that play out with regards to your... You know, you're uh, moving Dekos potentially back into the midfield or, or something like that. So, or Driscoll, how you want to start with him, you know. So, you know, uh, Hewitt hasn't been a lock for this week, even though uh, Mokovoss did come out and say that um, he should play this week. And, you know, the Carlton injury report wasn't really as convincing as what Voss was, but. You know, I, I, at this stage, I think he's going to play. But, you know, make it, build a scenario in your head of what happens if he doesn't play, what can you do? Does that impact your trade? Does that impact your vice captain or captain selections? Does that impact who you're looping onto the ground? And does that impact, you know, if you're looking at uh, Dacos and O'Driscoll, where to play them on ground? So um, many scenarios, and i would actually build a few scenarios around that Hewitt situation, just so you're fully prepared if something even breaks on game tape. So, you know, teams still have got the option there to go to... Um, uh making the decision late uh to whether a player can get up so he might be in there still might be a test like for a captain's run uh the day before the game so just yeah keep an eye on that and just yeah and we we did see that last week with collingwood is that you know craig McCrae did come out and explain that with regards to the reefer McGuinness who was named in the team then all of a sudden he was named the sub and Callum brown was in and i'll, I'll to that press conference because i wanted a little bit of clarity there and the question was actually asked so Basically, Collingwood had a, a lot of illness through the club last week. Um, not so much COVID, but just illness uh, through the club. So uh, they, in their minds, they had actually ruled out Callum Brown out of the, out of, uh, the team based on, well, oh, we don't think he's going to get up. So that's why they named him... Uh, out of that team and then all of a sudden, you know, McRae says in the press conference is that yeah, we didn't expect him to play. So I'm I'm not too sure whether that should have been listed the other way around, but, you know, from going from a point of view that, you know, that they didn't think a player was going to play to all of a sudden he was okay. That that sort of messed around. It's almost a new wrinkle and you know, yeah, it's not he, good, mate. No, yeah, exactly. So from our point of view where we need certainty, we need certainty on who's emergencies and, and could be subs and who's in that 22. You know, if you've got, you got teams out there saying, and it's not a criticism, it's just that, you know, we've got to read the room and see what's happening with regards to teams. Based on, you know, illness and their mindset that he wasn't going to play is that all of a sudden, you know, they made that change and, and there was nothing much to come of that, but he provided actually pretty good clarity as to why. It was based on illness and they didn't think he was going to play, so from our point of view, we sort of need clarity, and we, we you know, we didn't really get it with regards to can they do that or can't they do that. So it might be just a new wrinkle, but I think it was just, you know, it's a rare situation, well, probably not rare these days, in 2022 with regards to, you know, illnesses and that. But, you know, from a fantasy perspective, we just really sort of got to monitor that. So obviously... Uh, we'll monitor that if there's another one pops up teams might start to use that and obviously i've got my thoughts on what's happening with this medical sub certain teams out there as well so uh, some teams are planning with that it's pretty obvious to me that they're planning a sub throughout the game so you know a couple of teams out there red hot at the moment so and other teams are not they're actually playing legit straight up so a couple of new wrinkles in that Situation from a fantasy perspective as a sub, which, you know, had he sort of worked that out from a fantasy perspective, it's pretty much not much. But from that late uh, emergency to, you know, all of a sudden being named a medical sub, that was a bit of a weird scenario. So just final thoughts on that one, Chip.
1: Yeah, just curveballs that I don't like and none of us like it. Um, yeah, the sub thing, the M- McGuinness one is more concerning because, like you said, what if other coaches copied this not that it, Brown would have been a great strategy for Stuart Jude to plan against, but and it's kind of hard, you know, you, you'd sort of we'd be, be more outrage if it was done by, you know, with a higher profile player, mm. I suppose. So, um, yeah, interesting one. He's hoping um, it, it's all smooth sailing though, and and, and nothing comes of it yeah. in the future.
0: Yeah, you're right. Hopefully no other sort of coaches take on the lead and go, oh, we can actually do this this week to throw them off. So who knows? All That's it for the podcast. So good luck to everyone this weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks, guys.